1: And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. What's up, Star Wars fans? Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the exciting news, rumors, and updates on all the exciting projects going on in the Star Wars universe. Uh, This is our last episode of 2023, and we're going to have some fun recapping all the Star Wars stuff from this year and looking forward to next year, so... We're excited to get into it. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? It's
2: going good. Another year has gone by of talking Star Wars, but what a year it was. A lot of great stuff that we had to chew on and discuss and just plain out enjoy for the whole year. So it was a fun one. So um, as fun as it was to experience all this stuff, it's going to be fun to kind of recap it and also just look forward to what's in store for us next year. So, yeah, it should be a fun one
0: yeah I, i'm almost ashamed uh just we were talking before the show and i'm like man i didn't not i did not read as many star wars comics as i really wanted to this year and i i don't know but you know if if, if i did if i forgot them, if that's a good or a bad thing yeah you know so you know i would say that's my one regret of this year is i didn't read as much and i haven't got caught up I, I mean i've got all the trades i'm ready to go dive into them all for the most part but yeah, I just, like, I just hadn't, uh, that's the one my one Star Wars regret. That's the first thing I'll get out the show. My my Star Wars regret this year, didn't read enough new Star Wars comics. <laughs>
2: well, um, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, but at the same time, from the ones I did read, you haven't really been missing much. So <laughs> besides a few great stuff here and there, but I'll get to that later.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping to this year get caught up on everything. I mean, literally everything. Um, Like, I know for the comic bins, we're, we're going to be doing uh, the Bounty Hunters arc eventually in a couple months, but we're going to do like some uh, precursor balance, you know, uh, supplemental material to kind of get used to that character. And then, so I'm going to use that to kind of springboard going into Bounty Hunters full and just going reading that whole like uh, volumes one through six. Mm. And then, and hopefully do that for like Bader and then do that for Star Wars uh, eventually. And then eventually they get maybe. Maybe read some High Republic. The High Republic, I'm like, <laughs> there's a couple of trades I want to I actually want to read for the High Republic, but for the most part, the comics of there has been pretty, yeah, not so great. So, and
1: anyway. yeah, give me, you can give me the Cliff Notes version. Um, yeah, I, I will, that's not a problem. <laughs> now, I will say, I mean, I don't think I could say I have a Star Wars regret for this year because it's just been so jam packed with stuff and we've gotten to enjoy so much. It's weird that it's over already because I feel like. You know, last year was a big year for Star Wars with, like, Obi-Wan and Andor, and uh, I guess we had kind of the tail end of the Book of Boba Fett coming into the beginning of the year. Um, No, it's pretty much all of 22 with the Book of Boba Fett, because the first episode premiered on, like, December
2: 31st or something like that. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, so, I mean, like, the, the, you know, it, it didn't premiere last year, but most of the season was last year. Yeah um and then you know we had a lot of other great shows and then we're looking forward to this year thinking oh man we're getting mando season three and ahsoka and jedi survivor and all this stuff and it seemed like it was going to be an even bigger year um of course it ended up being not quite as big as we expected because we thought we were getting skeleton crew by the end of the year and then you know the strikes happened and stuff got delayed and that show has now possibly been pushed back an entire year um I know we talked about that a bit on our last one, which, by the way, I, I apologize for not getting our last episode out sooner. Uh, we recorded our last episode a couple weeks ago, and then, you know, stuff got busier on the holidays, and I just never got around to editing and releasing that one. So by the time you guys are listening to this episode, hopefully our last one will have gone out just probably a day or two beforehand. And then we'll try to get that one and this one out by the end of the year, um, which is just a few days from now. So uh, we got two episodes on, coming in hot for you. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, I mean, this this year has just been chock full of incredible Star Wars stuff and just kind of flown by. Um, and yet, I mean, Ahsoka ended like a couple of months ago, and it almost feels like this feels like there's been this weird sort of lull since then, especially with, you know, the the strikes were still going on at that point And they, you know, weren't really announcing new projects or really talking about stuff. And um, suddenly it kind of felt like this quiet, like, oh, when's the next Star Wars thing coming out? We don't really know. Um, but you know, when you look back on everything that happened this year, you're like, wow, no, we did get a ton of stuff. And, uh, you know, it was a great year with a lot of great stories and a lot of fun memories to be made. So, um, it should be fun going back and getting a recap, all that stuff. And then looking forward to next year as well, because, um, you know, again, as much as things have been kind of shuffled around, there definitely is still some star Wars stuff to be excited about for next year. Um, but if we throw it back all the way to the beginning of the year, uh the first star wars content we got of the year was bad batch season two uh which i think premiered back in like january um which overall was a fantastic season. I know, you know, I remember talking about it on the show and I know, Paul, you were like banging the drum right from the get-go that you thought season two was better than season one. And I definitely thought season two started off slower and there were some kind of mediocre episodes in that first half that I was like, no, this definitely is not better than season one yet. And then it really kicked on the jets in the second half of the season and delivered just some, you know, all-time great Star Wars moments and especially, you know, for the animated stuff and the clones and the aftermath of order 66 and all that. um, And really delivered just some, some incredible stuff. I can't wait to see how it wraps up with the third season next year. And uh, I'm definitely going to have to go back and rewatch seasons one and two um, before we get to that point. But especially some of those episodes in season two, I'm really looking forward to rewatching especially the ones with like, you know, crosshair and Cody and the um, you know, Rio Chuchi doing like the politics with the clones and stuff. Um, And, you know, the the Bad Batch sneaking around on Coruscant and stuff like all that stuff was really cool. Um, and then, of course, you know, the s- spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Bad Batch Season 2 yet, but seemingly losing tech at the end um, and kind of seeing how the team is going to deal with that loss and where they're going to go from here is going to be um, really interesting to see. So that was a, a great thing to kick off the year. with. Yeah, it's almost
2: kind of sad to say that Bad Batch Season 2, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit when you think about the stuff we got in 2023 with Mandalorian season three, and especially with Ahsoka and Jedi survivor. So, but it doesn't mean that quality is any less. Cause like, as you said, it was just some fantastic episodes in there, especially for me as being the big clone fan that I am some essential, great stories uh, for the clone troopers and stuff I've been wanting to see for so long. Like how, what was that moment when the empire fully transitioned from clone troopers to Stormtroopers and how that affected the remaining clones and their view on all that and just some really great stuff that just makes you think and just some great character moments, especially with Crosshair. I mean, he he only, was only in a few episodes this season, but boy, when he showed up, you knew you were going to get a great episode because none of them disappointed in the episodes focusing on Crosshair, like the solitary clone at the beginning, that one with him, which was the one with him and Cody, but then the outpost, which...
1: Might have just outdid oh, yeah. that episode.
2: That one was fantastic too. So, um, yeah, setting the stage up for for the finale that we got was great too. Um, and then just setting the stage up for its final season next year, which I can't wait. And just to get another look at, I'm actually trying to remember. I know we got a trailer at Celebration, but was that that was never like officially released? Wasn't no, it? that was yeah. a
1: uh, I I think I screen recorded that off of Twitter and sent it to you guys. That was, you know, a bootlegged one that somebody from like inside the room. Yeah, they had a a brief little teaser that they showed to the attendees there, but there hasn't been an officially released trailer or an official release date or anything like that.
2: Okay, yeah, so I did remember correctly, but yeah, so now I just can't wait to get our like actual official look at it. Hopefully we'll get a trailer sometime fairly soon at the beginning of 2024. So, I mean, it kind of sucks that next year will be the final season of The Bad Batch, but at the same time, I'm always glad when the showrunners and creators get to end their show and the story that they want to tell the way they want then i think that's going to be the case with the bad bad so definitely looking forward to season three but season two was really really great with really some all-time episodes in there
1: yeah
0: season two was to me probably the the biggest surprise of of the year to be honest in my opinion because i that first season wasn't terrible, but it just it was wildly inconsistent, in my opinion. And it didn't, it never grabbed me as much as I really thought it was going to. And part of that is I never I'm not enamored with the concept of the bad batch, but with the exception of Omega, I've always liked Omega a lot. But it felt like she was very much kind of uh just she was obviously a main character, but she wasn't <clears throat> the focal point as much as it felt like in this season, where season two is pretty much her development. Um, as a character, I would say, of like learning how to let go. And <clears throat> you see that right off the bat. It just felt like a, a stronger piece of overall storytelling. And I don't mean that in a like where it, <clears throat> it has to be serialized, but <clears throat> excuse me. But like the fact that it's episodic, but it's also giving us this uh these moments of her growth, and then but all of a sudden all that growth leads up to the end of the ep- end of the season. Was some great character moments and some fun things like, and that's the thing of, I think it just the, what I think the bad batch season two did better than the first season is that it just had better balance overall. It knew how to have fun without always, com- without completely compromising the goal of the series and the season, you know, like they had an, they knew where the character needed to go and they just executed and get it did a balance of having really powerful character moments mixed in with really fun, like star Wars stuff and i don't feel we had that as much in season one so i felt and i need to rewatch season two again i, I just am so bad at this stuff um life life is so hard when you have a kid and you can't really just devote your time to like just be like i'm just gonna watch Clone wars for like you know eight hours like, I just, um <laughs> so it's uh it's yeah so I, I would definitely say that this is uh to me, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to rewatching the, the Clone Wars season uh, two again soon. So can't wait for season three. I'm looking, I I think after season two being so good, I, I'm hard. It's hard. It's hard for me to believe that it wouldn't be as good, if not better,
1: than season two. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, all the, the story pieces seem to be sort of lining up in the right direction for them to finish off with an incredible third season, but um yeah hopefully we won't have to wait long to find that out um and we'll talk about bad batch season three a little bit more when we kind of talk about our upcoming stuff for next year but i wouldn't be surprised if yeah. in fact i would be surprised if that's not the first big star wars content that we get next year but we'll see yeah um so then of course we followed that up we'll followed up slash overlapped it with uh season three of the mandalorian um which, of course, you know, the Mandalorian being sort of the headlining show of Disney Plus, everybody was excited for that. Um, and there was a bit of, I don't know if I'd even say controversy, but like certainly more mixed reception, I feel like, to this season than to previous seasons. Um, and certainly that felt like, you know, partially because they kind of deviated from Mando's story a little bit to focus more on the story of like Bo-Katan and the Darksaber and Mandalore and kind of resolve that whole storyline. Um And also, I just think with the universe kind of expanding more with the introduction of all these characters, like they kind of took some bigger swings. We had some episodes that were not, you know, super focused on Mando, but, you know, we spent time on Coruscant or with other characters. And um, I think it was just them kind of, again, taking some bigger swings, trying some different things that maybe, you know, worked for some people and didn't for others. Um, And I would say, you know, definitely is not my favorite season. Like season two is going to be really hard to top um but i enjoyed it you know pretty much start to finish i feel like i enjoyed it a lot more than most people did um or maybe not a lot more than most people i enjoyed it more than a lot of people did but i know there are also a lot of people who enjoyed it um but i thought it was a fun season uh you know maybe a little bit uneven and uneven in spots but definitely had some great star wars moments um you know plenty of uh you know the the mando and grogu heartwarming moments and the mando action and stuff that we've all come to love from that show um, and continuing to just raise the bar for like the environments and the action and the stuff they can do on the volume and all that. Um, So it was cool to see that whole sort of Mandalorian arc of, you know, them having lost their homeworld and trying to reclaim it and defeat Moff Gideon and all that stuff, you know, see all that sort of come to a head and was kind of a nice reset. Um, Again, after kind of taking all these big steps in the story and and expanding the world and introducing all these characters. I kind of like that they left, you know, ended the season in a place where it's kind of back to the focus on just Din and Grogu going on adventures together um, while they're going to be working for the new Republic and, uh, you know, rooting out more of these Imperial remnants and stuff. And so, I think it's going to get back to more of that sort of Mando and Grogu adventure of the week type storytelling. And at the same time, we'll still allow them to continue building the universe and building towards the big threat of Thrawn returning and all the stuff that they're setting up for the movie. So I think I think we're primed for a really cool season four. Um, But season three had a lot of fun stuff. Uh, Certainly was fun, you know, getting on here every week and talking about it on those episodes um, and even, you know, seeing the ones that we kind of went back and forth on and some of us loved and others didn't, um, and having those little disagreements. And then, you know, of course, the cool stuff that we all loved. So, uh, you know, that was for me, you know, it was, uh, just another, you know, fun season of The Mandalorian delivering the goods as it always does.
2: Yeah. I'm going to pretty much echo what you said there. In my opinion, it's still a great season despite a few bumps in the road, uh, with two episodes in there and they're not, um, Necessarily like really bad ones, especially the third episode of the season with uh, Pershing on Coruscant. It just felt a little too long, as I said. I think when we reviewed that episode, um, that it needed to be and to tell a story I was trying to tell with them. And then the obviously the biggest one that just felt like, What is this? Is Guns for hire, <laughs> where <laughs> it just one that was just completely different than anything we've got in the series before. And so we just kind of it was a head scratcher. Um, but it did have a, a good ending um, with what transpired with Bo-Katan getting kind of her Mandalorian uh, clan back together. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of great episodes in here. I think probably my biggest criticism of the season is I think I like where the story ended and just the direction they took all the characters. I just felt it kind of, they went a little too fast in certain developments, when it came to uh, Bo-Katan Um in regards to getting the dark saber or at least Din rationally how she actually did win it back. Um, never really, I thought clicked for me as far as being uh, the reason of how she got the dark saber back. And then the dark saber getting destroyed, not how it got destroyed. I thought that was kind of fitting that Gideon was the one to do it, but just not how it was acknowledged ever after that, after being such a huge focus um, during season two and in season three. Um, so little things like that. Um, but, Yeah, there was still still a lot of great stuff in here. I thought it started off uh, with a bang with the first two episodes. But then I think one of the the most underrated and one of my favorites of the season is the foundling. Um, Not just because we got the reveal of Kellerman Beck was the one who rescued Grogu in a great sequence looking back at the attack on the Jedi Temple during Order 66. I mean, that was great. But I actually just love um, the story that was being told in uh, the present time of that episode with um, that man all of Mandalorians trying to find a Paz son who uh, most of them thought it was just gone and lost but it was Bo-Katan who kind of took the charge uh, to lead that rescue group to find him and there's some just cool action sequences with some creatures we don't get to see too much uh, within Star Wars with uh, like pterodactyl uh, type creature and then her her babies that she was trying to feed so some cool visuals in there too so that stuff was great. And then I couldn't ask for a better ending to the season with the last two episodes, the spies and the returns. I mean, I think it delivered some of the best action that we've seen in Star Wars, especially in that final episode with a group of Mandalorians fighting Imperial Super Commandos <laughs> in Beskar armor. It was just a sight to behold and jet with jetpacks just zooming across the screen. And then you tie that in with Din and Grogu taking out Praetorian guards and then Moff Gideon taking on bo Ten, Din, and Grogu. So there's a lot of great stuff. And again, uh, action-wise, but just the way things wrapped up with them taking back Mandalore and setting the stage to uh, kind of refocus more on now that that's done, uh, we'll get back to maybe, uh, back to basics, for lack of a better word. Um, with Din and Grogu, as you mentioned, Kyle, it's kind of what we've seen like more so in season one and early season two stuff. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like you said, I think it is one that Got more of a mixed reaction probably than anybody was anticipating because after the first two seasons i know i saw online a lot that like we can disagree all we want about uh the movies that have come out uh but one thing's constant we all love the mandalorian and i think that was true for season one and two you didn't really hear that many complaints about it of course there are always some but for season three you saw more of a mixed reaction towards it and not getting the praise that we were used to with the first two seasons and it was i mean even i went into season three not expecting it to be as good as season two because that is just the perfect season of star wars storytelling and on it in the tv format It, it just there's no way to top it um but we still got some great stuff in this season so and it just um makes me happy that it's just another addition to this great series and still leaves me excited for what's to come because um the if the series were to end with the season, I felt it would have been a satisfying ending with how things were left. I know a lot of people thought uh, those final moments served as a series finale, but the fact that we know we got more coming is is even better. So, yeah, I'll always maintain that I really, really enjoyed season three of The Mandalorian.
0: It will always baffle me why people hate on that season and it's by proxy it might you could say it's the weakest of the three but i don't know i I, the first season has a charm to it and i think Hmm. that that's a big reason why people um but maybe i hold that one better i don't think it's i think there's a couple that it's more maybe it's more consistent than the season three overall but like the highs and minus like the reveal of grogu are so much higher i feel like in that uh season three and there's some great moments in season three that's a good point like mine's, yeah. my miles yeah mines of mandalore is phenomenal i i really do i've i said before i think the first episode of the season three is a big reason why people are kind of were kind of eh on the mandalorian it was kind of a lackluster season you know opener and but then you go right into the minds of Mandalore the next week, and it's phenomenal. It's like to me, it's a top five Mando, Mando episode, maybe, maybe Star Wars, any TV series. It's that good, you know. And like, obviously, the, the pirate episode is fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I now,
1: forgot about yeah. that one.
0: Yeah, that's a great episode. Uh, the last two episodes are, I think, are good. The last two episodes are a little bit like they're not the 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 second last episode's great, the last episode's not, it's a little. A little ho- hokey at, t- at times for me, but whatever. I still love it. Um, but like that being said, like I, I just feel that it's people are way too harder on it because that that opening episode, and then you have like the episode where uh, you know with, with the, the whole like fun episode where they're you know they're they're hired guns, whatever. And I, that episode's fun. It's not. It's cute. It's not. It doesn't need to be anything more than what it is. And um, yeah, but like I think people like the whole pirate thing, people probably are like, what are these Muppets doing in here? You know, that's what it feels like. They're, the whole Javis palace argument is oh, such a right? great design. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he is. But you know what I'm saying yeah. though? Like, yeah. like but, but people are like, what is this? I want, I want Andor, you know? And so like, it's just like, just shut up, you know, just, you know, that's have... where
2: kind of like that whole debate really started to heat up. I think with like, things need to be like Andor or vice versa. No, but, yeah.
0: no, listen, make let Andor be blade runner 2.0 that's fine like i i don't you know i don't need blade runner in every episode of themes and, and ideas in every star wars episode no thanks especially with mandalorian and i and i really do look at like the mandalorian season 3 as a great example of why i don't want it because i want to have fun stuff in my star wars Andor is great to watch it's not always fun to watch in in a sense right like it's it's downer it's like it's you have to really like you know just be hunkered down on it and like for me, I don't always want that in Star Wars. Star Wars is not is the beauty of Star Wars is its flexibility and its um and its way to be um oh my god I can't think of the word um 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 I can't think of the word I apologize everyone but basically what I'm trying to say is it it's flexible and it's not, it doesn't have to be the same thing all the time it can be all it can be anything that any you know anytime it wants to be and I think it's the value of it. But I do think Star Wars has more value when it's trying to tell a story based to a broader audience rather than just like, let's appeal to the older audience. You know, it's like we which I think is value there. I don't want it to be all the value. And I think Mandalorian season three is a great idea of like it's more than just 12 and 13 year olds watching. It's, you know, way older people like in their 70s and 80s and like six and eight year olds watching. You know, because, you know, those two age groups, they're very, they're vastly on the other ends of the spectrum, obviously, but they don't always want to have like, you know, massive serious stuff. They want to have something that they can sit down and have fun with and watch with their kids or their grandkids and and their parents. And that is such an understated thing in Star Wars. And I think Mandalorian Season 3 is not, is maybe has, it it falters a little bit in some areas. I totally admit like the season or the first episode But I think it succeeds more than people give it credit for. and I still think Minds of Mandalore is is an all-timer.
1: Yeah, I I mean, and the weird thing for me, too, is like it certainly is understandable why people had criticisms of the season. But the way that people like dogpile on it now in retrospect um, and you'll hear people talk about, oh, Mando season three was the worst. It's like, you know, I'll see people rank the Disney Plus shows and they'll be like. You know, Mando season one and two at the top, and then like Andor, and then Ahsoka and Obi Wan and Boba, Fett, and like Mando season three way down at the bottom, um, and acting like you know it's the the worst thing. I would still say that Mando season three was better than the Book of Boba Fett for me. Um, and like you know, again, like it, just people kind of blowing those inconsistencies out of proportion. Also, you know, when I talk about them like taking big swings and stuff, and Paul, you mentioned kind of comparing it to season one. And how, you know, season one, I feel like season one of Mando started off really strong. You know, those first three episodes were great, hooked everybody in. Then the next three episodes, were a little bit more mixed reaction. And I definitely remember some people going like, oh, if this is what the Mandalorian is going to be every week, then like maybe it's not as good as we thought. And it's already starting to lose its way. And, you know, this debate about filler episodes and all that kind of stuff. And then it ended the season on two really strong episodes with the introduction of Gideon and the Darksaber and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, it seemed like in retrospect, everybody really liked that first season. Um, But I think also some of those weaknesses and inconsistencies and stuff, it was maybe a little bit easier to sort of forgive and attribute to like the fact that it was, uh, you know, the first season and they're kind of starting to just trying to get things off the ground and they didn't have as big of a budget and they're trying to work with this new volume technology and all that kind of stuff. So maybe people were a little more understanding of the flaws Whereas by the time you get to season three and like season two had already raised the bar so high and then it's like, oh, you guys know what you're doing now and clearly there's a bigger budget and you're able to do more with the effects and stuff. And so then to have episodes that people weren't like totally pleased with people are like so quick to just dismiss it as this is garbage and it's weird to me why people jump to those reactions but um yeah, well, you know, it wasn't a perfect season, wasn't my favorite season of the show, but it was a great season. And uh, I think it's still a great show. And I'm excited to see more of it, um, which will not be next year. But I, I heard that they're starting to film season four next year. So hopefully it won't be too yeah, long before too. we get to see more adventures with Mando and Grogu. Um, so then uh, I think the next big thing, this was not necessarily like a piece of Star Wars content. Um, but worth talking about that, like around the end of Mando season three, we also had another Star Wars celebration this year, um, and the big news to come out of there was the announcement of the three upcoming Star Wars movies that we're getting, um, which you know we've talked at length about on the show already, and of course those are the new Jedi Order movie with Ray returning, uh, Dave Filoni's movie, which is going to be focused on you know Thrawn and the the Imperial remnants. Uh, fighting the New Republic, and then James Mangold doing his uh, Dawn of the Jedi film, his biblical epic uh, Jedi movie set way, you know, thousands of years back in the past. Um, so that was, you know, really cool. And then, of course, there was more stuff uh, announced during celebration about like Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew and the Acolyte and all these upcoming shows. Um, but man, I still remember you know, going to bed that night because Celebration was in London. And so you knew like news was going to drop super early in the morning. And I remember waking up at like six or seven or whatever and scrolling back on Twitter, trying to catch up with all the announcements. And um, that first day of like the Lucasfilm showcase, we expected we were going to get a movie announcement, but certainly weren't expecting to get three. Um, And I feel like, you know, this is a a pretty solid lineup um, of, you know, sort of a, a diverse group of you know, Star Wars stories that are all going to be exciting to see on the big screen. Um, And like you were saying, Paul, like, you know, there's kind of something there for everybody. Um, You know, you're going to have your diehard fans like us, of course, that are excited to see all three of these. But, you know, there there are sequel trilogy fans who maybe are going to be really invested in the Ray movie or people that are big fans of Dave Filoni that are going to be interested in his stuff. And then people that... um, You know, also kind of like myself, people that are interested in the Old Republic and the ancient history of the Jedi and all that kind of stuff that are uh, really excited for um, a Dawn of the Jedi movie. So, um, yeah, you know, great to have three new movies on the horizon now, of course, given Lucasfilm's recent track record. Wait and see till, you know, it's like it's never 100 percent guarantee unless you've got like a trailer and a release date and confirmation of filming and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, all these movies are still at least a couple years off. I think they announced the release dates for like 26 and 27. I don't remember if there was anything, um, announced on the slate for 2025. And I know they didn't announce release dates at Celebration, but it was like later in the year in a Disney investor call or something, they released, um, like some upcoming uh, film dates and they had, you know, untitled star Wars film. Um, and yeah, I think they had like, maybe it was two in 2026 and one in 2027 or something like that. Um, I don't remember exactly, but also, you know, things could have and probably have changed due to the the writers and actors strikes that happened, you know, this past fall. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see when we get uh, official confirmation of release dates on those films. But as far as we know, they're all still moving ahead and, you know, in various stages of production. And I hope we get to see all of them because they all sound really cool and I'm excited to see them. So uh, here's hoping for the best.
2: Yeah. Well, remember from this past celebration was just that Friday morning waking up to that onslaught of announcements and news that day and just really trying hard like where to focus on for that short amount of time I had between the morning and having to go to work and the one thing for sure that came up because I remember I was kind of I didn't sleep good that night before just kind of expecting all this stuff and the one thing that we were pretty confident we were going to get was the Ahsoka trailer and so I was checking periodically in the course of the middle of the night, seeing if that dropped. And eventually it did. And I did see it kind of in the middle of the night and then went back to sleep and then woke up to the onslaught of announcement. And I was, it was just a fun feeling to have where even though I wasn't able to fully read the like read everything that was announced and all the details right away, it just left me with a good feeling that knowing there was those announcements and then something to look forward to throughout the day where I'd be able to catch up on all this great news. That we got, so yeah, it was just a fun time. Celebrations always are, um whether you're, whether you're going or you're not able to. Just getting these announcements and new details about upcoming Star Wars projects just is always a highlight when we have a celebration to look forward to in any year. So, and this one was no exception with the movies that were announced and the trailers that we got. So that was a fun weekend, but in particular that Friday morning <laughs> was what I'll always remember. It was just fun getting that this barrage of exciting Star Wars news.
0: Yeah, I I, I was really excited about Celebration, and um, it's one of those things where I was kind of, I was both excited, but when, when the whole Mangold thing happened, I was just kind of rolling my eyes, and I'm still kind of like, I'm laughing a little bit because they're already reshuffling things, it seems like, for Mangold after the lackluster Indiana Jones film. That came out, which I haven't seen Are, yet. I'm not saying it's they, bad. I've never,
2: like, is there anything in particular that you heard of about the reshuffling? Because to be honest, I haven't well, heard anything different. Well, well, no, no.
0: What they're they're reshuffling? Like, what movie comes out when? From what I understand, I think Mangold is there was, or as far as what we assumed anyway, because we we knew this was going to be his next pro Well, we we don't know what his next project's going to be. I think that's my whole point: is we all assumed it would be. Um, the next one, but then he got tapped. The right, he was like, "I'm gonna write swap thing," and then it's like, That's "Oh, right, oh, I, I forgot about that. And then we're all kind of like, well, "What does this mean?" And I'm laughing because I'm like, "This is all before what's it called came out, like Indiana Jones," and that didn't blow everyone's you know balls away. And you know, let's be real. And I, I, again, I haven't seen it yet. I'm I have I'm asking for it for my birthday, and on four k because I need all of them. And I and I I always enjoy the Indiana, Indiana Jones films, but don't love them to death um that being said i've heard you know mostly solid things about it but didn't produce a lot and Mangold is he's interesting and the fact that he's you know, i know he's doing a dylan biopic right now i think that's what he's uh doing uh at, currently uh bob dylan biopic if you know what i'm talking about talking about which by the way i'm excited for because i'm a huge bob dylan fan at least early Dylan.
2: I would and, hope so, just hearing the name Dylan, most people would know what that what you were referring dude, to. Dude, <laughs>
0: don't don't underestimate people, Tim. Don't underestimate people. Um, how about this? Let's test it. Kyle, do you have any idea who I was
1: talking about? Yeah, I'm not that. <laughs> yeah, wrong. right. Come on. <laughs> no, You're I. So, I'm now, if lying. you just said if you just said Dylan, I'm like that could be anybody. But you talk about a Dylan biopic, I'm like, well, there's only so many famous people with the last name Dylan, so I assumed you were talking about Bob Dylan goddamn right i'm about bob dylan
0: um anyway, i love bob <laughs> dylan uh but anyway but by dude i think he's doing the biopic he is doing the biopic for that so but i i want to say i i there's been reshuffling these from rumors about it and it's just it's it's making me laugh it's basically almost confirming for the rumors i guess what i'm trying to say tim In a long-winded way which everyone who listens anyone who listens to this podcast knows that's not me right um <laughs> uh but but all seriousness, I, it definitely seems like they're saving that one for last. And it's probably for a number of different reasons. And I, I'm not, I'm still not confident. Man. How about this? I'm confident. Mangold is, not, is, is definitely 100% not going to be doing it. I could see that movie coming out, but not by him. I still think that movie has got roots based in. And I the, still think uh, it's a
2: very big possibility as well too.
0: Yeah. I, and i still think he's taking too much. There's, there's too much PR with that whole thing of like, he blew me away with a biblical portion of a movie. It's like, hold on, Kathleen Kennedy. Didn't we already get the, the, the double D's uh, from Game of Thrones doing some like original Jedi thing? You're trying to be like, oh, he's going to make this movie now. It's like, give me a break. Like, let's, you know, I I, I think it's BS, especially if they're a fast track that movie, which it, it very well could. And, you know, but I, I'll just say this right now. After Mangold not delivering a a box office hit with Indiana Jones and you're going to trust Star Wars, which is a very much like kind of like Disney's in kind of a weird spot right now. I I just don't see it unless Dylan comes out there and like blows everyone away and he becomes a hot director again. But even then, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, biopics are weird, man. Like they can they can they can always do fairly well. But when you know he did when he did walk the line um that was a that was a very much a, a hit but it wasn't a, a runaway hit you know what i mean like it was a, it was a modest hit i would say if that makes any sense it was it was a critical darling but it wasn't like a runaway hit it did well um you know and they they sold you know i bought the the dvd and blu-ray a million times i, mean, I got to lie um that being said i just don't know if if it's going to you know especially if he doesn't write something that'll blow them away I don't know. I, I I have my doubts on it. I, I just think the whole mangle thing was a little, I, I feel, I feel it's a Kathleen Kennedy uh, downfall on that one. That was a, a blunder on her part, but we'll see. This is the year 2023 is a, 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 a reoccurring theme of, of Kathleen Kennedy announcing things that may not happen. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's also the year that, you know, we again heard Bob Iger say, uh, oh, we're going to kind of step back and reevaluate things and focus on quality over quantity. And so I certainly could see that maybe being a casualty of that if they were unhappy with, uh, you know, how James Mangold did with Indiana Jones. And, you know, I will say this. He, you know, he still has a, a solid body of work behind him. He's made some fantastic films and you're, I mean, we'll see how the Bob Dylan thing turns out. Um, And I don't know if he ends up writing Swamp Thing before he does his Star Wars. And, you know, if he's working on any other projects, I guess we'll see how those go. I think it would be kind of naive of Disney to make him take the fall for Indiana Jones doing poorly because I mean, at least for me, and this is only like my opinion, Um, cause I also, you know, I like the Indiana Jones movies. I wouldn't consider myself like a diehard fan of the series by any stretch. I love last crusade. Um, and Raiders of the lost Ark is a classic that I enjoy and appreciate. Um, not a huge temple of doom fan. And honestly, I'm not a huge crystal skull fan either, but I think it's better than a lot of people give it credit for. Um, But when Disney took over Lucasfilm and announced that they were making more Star Wars movies and then they also said that, you know, we're going to make an Indiana Jones 5, I was like, why? Like, uh, most people didn't like Crystal Skull. You know, Harrison Ford's going to be like 80 by the time this movie comes out, especially because it was like stuck in development hell for a long time and going through script rewrites and different people being attached and unattached. And I think by the time it came out, you know, I don't... like. Not everybody loved it, and you certainly could uh, attribute it to, um, you know, the quality of the movie itself. But I also just don't think there was a huge amount of buzz. And, you know, you think about, like, the younger generations and Gen Z and stuff, and it's like Indiana Jones just doesn't seem like something that is going to generate a huge amount of pop culture buzz in this day and age. And so all that to say, I'm not surprised that it didn't do well, and I think it would have had a hard time you know, being like a billion dollar hit, regardless of who directed it. Um, so I hope that, you know, if if mangled Star Wars movie falls apart, I hope that that's not the only reason why um, is is kind of the point I'm getting at there. But also, if things do change around and if if any of these were to change hands or fall through the cracks or anything like that, I think that's probably the least sure, you know, the, the one out of all the three that's on the least sure footing right now. Um but we'll see. It sounds like a really cool idea, and I really hope we get to see that one. It's a story I'm dying to see at one point, <laughs> regardless yeah. of how long it takes. I just hope we eventually get it. Yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, we had Celebration. That was in April, around the end of Mando Season 3. And then the end of April, we got Star Wars Jedi Survivor, uh, the sequel to uh, Jedi Fallen Order, of course um released on the PC, Xbox Series X and PS5 and um gosh, I don't even know what to say about Jedi Survivor aside from it is a <laughs> fantastic game. It looks fantastic. I will say I'm I feel bad for anybody out there that had performance issues, especially I know on PS5 there were apparently a lot of people who said it didn't run very well and had a lot of glitches and freezing and stuff and um I got a PS5 for Christmas last year like specifically to play that game there are some other games that i wanted to play on playstation and that was why i got a playstation for the first time instead of an xbox um and i've had some other you know great times this year playing like you know final fantasy 7 and god of war and horizon zero dawn and some playstation games that i've wanted to play for a long time that i finally got to play for the first time um but yeah anytime there's a Star Wars game that comes out on a next-gen console for the first time like that's always the thing that makes me finally get that console um and for me I mean aside from maybe an occasional bug here or there like it ran really smoothly it looked fantastic it was so much fun to play um you know I already loved the first game and uh I felt like this one was just such an improvement in terms of the visuals and the environments and the lightsaber combat and just continuing the story and the character development of Cal Kestis and Seer and Marin and all these characters that I've really fallen in love with. And it's become some of my favorite stuff in Star Wars. So I could go on and on, you know, for, for the whole rest of this podcast, just about how much I love Jedi Survivor, but uh, certainly was a highlight of the year for me. Um, I played it twice already this year and uh, I'm kind of frustrated because I've got so many more PlayStation games like the Spider-Man games and God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West and all these games that I'm like, I got to get to these. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone and like push myself to play more new games and experience new stories because I'm definitely one of those people that will like just replay the same few games that I love over and over again. Like, you know, back on my Xbox, like all I was playing was, Mass Effect Legendary Edition and Battlefront 2 like that was all my gaming time um so it's like every you know I'll be halfway through a game and then I've already planned you know what my next game is going to be and I'll be like man I want to play Jedi Survivor again so I've played it twice already I'm sure I'll play it again at some point next year and then uh yeah we know there's a third game coming out at some point so I'll have to play it you know at least one more time you know closer to when the next one comes out but um just a fantastic story and fantastic characters that I can't wait to uh, keep revisiting. Um, and again, like I said, on top of just great exploration and really fun lightsaber combat and everything, it's just everything you can want from a Star Wars game. Um, aside from maybe like multiplayer action, and hopefully we get a new battlefront at some point, but you know, who <laughs> knows when that'll happen, but... Um, yeah, like I said, this was definitely a highlight of the year for me and uh, is one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. If not my favorite, it just might be. Yeah, I mean, this was, and I said before,
2: this was a, quite the busy year for video games for me, <laughs> the total opposite of 2022. But it all kicked off with Jedi Survivor and what a way to kick off just, in my opinion, what was a great and fantastic year of new video games that came out. And Jedi Survivor just... A great follow-up to Fallen Order. In my opinion, I think is better than Fallen Order story-wise. And then just um the gameplay aspect too, not just the lightsaber combat, but some of the boss battles we got and these like you e- events, like cutscenes that would play out. Well, there were just some really fun style, like some not just for Star Wars game, but just gaming in general. I've set up before that mission and Jetta where Marin uses her magic and makes those portals that you're just zipping through. It was just such an adrenaline rush (laughs) and just so much uh so fun to play. So it just really delivered the goods on all fronts too. And I kind of heard what you were talking about. And even now, like when people or these gaming sites were talking about games of the years and how Jedi Survivor is on most of them, but they always bring up um the technical issues and the bugs that um it had at launch, but I never experienced pretty much any. It ran really great for me. I played on the Xbox Series X. Um, so no complaints there for me. It looked fantastic and was just a blast to play all the way through. And just a game with some really like jaw-dropping moments, both from a gameplay standpoint, like I mentioned before, and then just in the story, too, some great twists and turns that I didn't see coming just made me go, like, whoa, what? <laughs> so this great all the way around and like i said earlier just a great way to kick off what was a fantastic year of just some truly amazing games and yeah jedi survivor was just awesome yeah i
0: i'm almost done with jedi survivor uh i have talked to the the boys before and uh i'm i'm right at the end basically (laughs) i'm so close and i'm not uh the good news is i'm not gonna complete it 100 i'm not one of those people so I just want to get the story done and I'm good. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if I love it as much as the first game. Um, and I'm not sure if the first game just had just surprised me. And I think a lot of people of how good it was. But that being said, it's not far off either. It's a really fun game. I really enjoyed it. And the fact that I you know, kept playing it intermittently for so long is a big deal because I just life is so busy for me. I I just don't have time to devote as much as I want. And, you know, my time is precious and it's just, it's hard, but I will say this whenever my football team or my hockey team loses, I'm like, Oh, fired up fire. Jedi survivor. There was a lot of moments like that this year for me. So, uh, <laughs> I had,
2: a uh, take it, out your it, frustration it, on some stormtroopers. huh? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It, but it, it really is a, a really well done, especially I would say the one thing I would, I think that this game has an advantage over the other game is it really took that KOTOR influence. Uh, literally like they took stuff it felt like the way it was like a classic kotor game and incorporated that into the into this um this uh, sequel and it really does play uh, i i would say narratively a little bit better even though i think the moments hit me harder in that first game and from a uh just just by a surprising and a narrative standpoint uh i will say i think organized and structurally it's a really interesting game how they do it and i um i i love it i think it's a great game too i i i, I if i had to put you know one against the other i'd say i probably picked the first one but i think it's more just because i think i wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was and the expectations for this game were already there it's still like it, it, it met them i'll just say that it definitely met them for me and i i and my lack of the fact that I haven't completed the game is not a detriment to the game at all. It's more just because I'm just busy. So yeah, uh, Survivor is a fantastic game. Um, I love the all the High Republic elements they included in it in it. I'll be honest, the what if you would have told me, like I always say this on paper, if you would have told me the premise, I've been like, get the F out. Like that's no. But when I saw it executed, I was like, Yeah, all right. I can get behind this, uh, you know, it's a couple of things here. I won't go too far cause I haven't completed it, but Bode's Bode was a little bit of a, a little bit of a reach, I would say. But at the same time, um, it was a, it was a pleasant surprise and it, it, it kind of makes sense in the context of where the galaxy is. And, and there'd be people like himself. And if you haven't played the game, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so um That being said, yeah, I, I think this is a great game, and I can't wait to finish it. And and one day I'll play them back to back, and maybe I'll have when Lulu's older and she's kind of doing her own thing, I'll I'll have more time to do that. But then at that point, we'll probably have like five million other games to play, so I'll probably lose be behind. So, I don't
1: know.
2: <laughs> so we'll yeah, see. Go crazy just yet. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, yeah, but I, I I enjoyed it. I will say this. So. Uh, you know without going too much into spoilers but bode's story and his whole arc and sort of the conclusion of things that was something that i had to kind of chew on for a little bit after i finished the game and i wasn't maybe sure if i liked it at first and then just came to appreciate it more and more the more i kind of sat with it um just cuz it kind of wasn't what i was expecting there were a couple of things that like you said maybe kind of seemed like a reach at first but i think the more you think about it and and kind of put the pieces together and and realize you know sort of where they're going with it um I think it ends up working really well. And I think he's a really fascinating and compelling character. I also will say this too. I know you said, you know, you're not going to try to go and hundred percent complete the game and everything. Yeah. Um, But after you finish the main story, I would recommend just playing a little bit more. Cause if you go back and revisit some of the main areas from the game, um, you can find like force echoes that weren't there before. They only show up after you complete the game um and it's echoes from bode kind of revealing like thoughts or conversations or oh, whatever cool. that he was having kind of like off camera like stuff that you didn't see and it kind of lends more context to That's cool. Um, his story. Yeah, it's really cool and it's you you usually don't have to go too far to find them, you know. They're not like these hidden little easter eggs. Sure. um so I would, you know, try to find at least a few of those. Or I mean, there's YouTube videos where you can watch them all too. But I think that well, kind of helps flesh out his story a little bit more and, too.
0: And, and I'll just to kind of add here, the one, okay, kind um, spoiler. If you, if you just skip over a few seconds, there's I have a couple gripes of the boat thing, and maybe there'll be. But I, I don't. I thought the reveal of the lightsaber was a little a little much for me. I wish it wouldn't have been a red blade. I wish it wouldn't have been a, a regular blade. I think it would have made more sense. I, I know the red blades there for like, you're, you're trying to, you know, give, want, this is going to be a bad example, but put him over the top. Like, you know, oh yeah, he's gone the dark side. He's on well, the, no. know.
1: see here's and this is a, a subtle thing that I didn't pick up on the first time I played it either. And I would kind of too, was like, I was like, wait, is he an inquisitor? Like, why does he have a red lightsaber? They don't really explain it. Um, and maybe I didn't pick up on this until the second time I played the game. That's Dagon's lightsaber. Oh, okay. And after you after you defeat Dagon and uh, you know you have that boss fight where Bode is in there helping you um and then Cal says something about okay this is this is big spoilers um for anybody who hasn't played the game. So if you're still listening and you haven't played Survivor yet, skip ahead. Maybe I'll edit this part out and I'll just explain this to Paul. But um <laughs> when so after you defeat Dagon Cal like lays Dagon's lightsaber on his chest and it's kind of like prominent in the frame that like Bode is looking at the lightsaber lying there and then Ooh. Cal says something about because up to this point you know they're looking for Tantalor um and they're thinking like Cal can hide out there and maybe try to restart the Jedi Order like and Bode is looking for a safe place to hide his daughter away from the Empire um and so up to that point, like. He's not planning on betraying Cal. He's, you know, like as long as Tantalor is just for the two of them, he's on board with it. But then as soon, I think it's at that moment Cal is kind of going through all his options and he realizes, oh, we could relocate the whole hidden path there. And that is when Bode is like, oh, no, that's too much. That would draw too much attention. And I can't have the Empire come in there and finding all these rogue Jedi and like finding my daughter there. And that's the moment where he kind of deviates and is like, no, no, I can't let that happen. And you kind of see the shift in his demeanor and Cal's like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, no, it's nothing like, you know, it's just a lot to think about or something like that. Um, And then Cal is like, "Okay, well, let's, you know, let's get back to the ship or whatever. And boat is like, you go ahead. I'm going to look around a little bit more. I think that's after they get like the second compass or whatever. And Bode is like, I'm going to look and see if there's some data to, you know, if there's a manual or something for this compass, but you leave him alone in that room with Dagon's body and his lightsaber. And that's when Bode takes the lightsaber. That see, that's, that makes a lot
0: more sense then. And that's cool. I'm glad you told me that because I, yeah, that was a little too harsh for me, but the I'll just I know we're running long. I told you we're running long. Um, I, I just want to say this really quick that I think that, um, ultimately bode works for me because of the father aspect because matter where you're from matter what you do when you have a child like that's all that matters and that to me is the ultimate like i hate to say it's the the trump card you know of like anything it's like at least for me like you know and i'm not trying to be like if you don't have a fair you don't understand i don't want to go that route because that's that's just being narrow-minded but I will say it really works for me. His that whole thing because of the fact he's a father. It actually makes it more. It makes more sense to me. He would turn because of his kid. I mean, I, I would get that if I did. It wasn't a father, but like I really, it makes a lot more sense. So it doesn't. It's surprising. It's a little bit of a reach. I think that like they they went over the top to be like, hey, we're so good friends, haha. <laughs> but I'm going betray your ass and I don't give it f. You know, it's like wait, what? It's like so. It's that's a little bit much. I thought they went over a little over the top a little bit, maybe at times, like you know, it's like really, Ah. but but that being said, I ultimately it works, I think, because of the fact that you know, I can relate, I'll do anything for my kid, and I'll sacrifice the universe and back for her. So I
1: get it, yeah. No, I thought that was a a great aspect of his character, and I, I could go way farther down the rabbit hole just about that game and Bode's character and why that's so good and everything, but um yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Jedi, uh, Jedi Fallen Order was already one of my favorite games. And uh, I think there, there are a couple things that I think Jedi Fallen Order still did a little bit better. I think maybe just the overall plot is better. Um, And I think as far as like main antagonist goes, uh, I like Trilla as a villain better than Dagon. Even though, you know, the High Republic stuff was cool and everything, but you know, Trilla, I thought was a really fantastic character, but yeah, I just thought they added a lot more just sort of nuance and depth to, like, the character arcs and the relationships and stuff. Um, and on top of, you know, the lightsaber combat and everything and the plot, still had some really cool twists and turns. So, yeah, I love it. It's definitely one of my Star Wars highlights of the year. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, that came out end of April. So right after that, we had May the 4th, where we got uh, two Star Wars things released uh, on that day. We got volume two of Star Wars Visions. And we got Young Jedi Adventures, um, which I have still not watched. I've heard good things about it. It looks fun and cute. I'm probably going to check it out at some point. Um, Well, actually, I'm definitely going to check it out at some point because as uh, my wife and I just announced recently, we're having a baby next year. Um, So definitely looking forward to having like a toddler and uh, watching that show with them. And maybe that'll be their introduction to Star Wars. I don't know. But
2: um, it's never too early to show a child star wars i mean yeah yeah well i say that because
1: i'm like that would be a good entry point for a kid but also like it just being my kid like i'm sure they're gonna see me watching the movies or playing the video games or something so it's one of those things i kind of obsess over of like oh what do i start them with what's the first star wars thing i should show them but then at the same time it's like they're just gonna absorb it by osmosis of being my kid like um so, yeah, I don't know. But like Young Jedi Adventures is one of those things that where like, like, I've got a couple friends with young kids and I've kind of been waiting like, oh, yeah, I could watch this by myself. But I feel like it would be fun to watch this with a kid for the first time. Um, and I've thought about maybe, you know, trying to watch it with one of my friend's kids or something. But now that I'm going to have my own kid, if I don't watch it, you know, by myself within the next couple of years or something, like I definitely look forward to watching that with my kid when they're a little bit older. So um yeah that'll be fun but then of course you know we also had volume two of visions which that was probably the surprise highlight of the year for me um because I liked season one of visions and there were a couple really cool episodes that I liked in there but overall I thought season two was better um and I think you know partially like you know I'm not the biggest anime fan and so the fact that season one was just all different Japanese anime styles like there were definitely some that I appreciated and some that looked really cool um but just some of the art styles in season two um kind of connected with me more and then also there were just some incredible stories um you know the the main one that stands out to me is that one in the stars with the two sisters uh you know defeating the imperial factory and kind of rekindling the light of like their mom and all their ancestors and stuff um but also like the, the Sith one that was sort of the 3d animation with like the painted textures and the, the girl that was like the artist and changed the colors of the environments and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then like screechers reach the one with the the kids and the banshee. Yeah. And You know, there was some, there was some really cool stuff in there. Um, and yeah, that's definitely one of the things I feel like, you know, in a year that we had like Mando season three and Ahsoka and Jedi survivor, I feel like visions kind of gets overlooked a little bit. Um, But uh, yeah, that was some, just some incredible art, some incredible Star Wars stories. And uh, now this, you know, just talking about it is making me want to go back and rewatch those again. And I, we haven't heard anything about it, but I hope we get another volume of visions at some point. There still are stories from uh, maybe more from volume one, but even a couple from the second volume two that I think are ripe for sequels um, that I would love to see some more of, but also I would just love to see more of these kind of unique like Star Wars stories with these different cultural spins from around the world and seeing them in these different unique art styles has been really cool. So I really enjoyed season two and I would love to see some more of it.
2: Yeah, Screechers Reach, highlight of season two for Star Wars Visions for me. I absolutely love that one. The art style and the story just turning its head, the hero's journey story on its head and really being a villain story It was just so great. Um, so that alone just makes vision season two a highlight uh, of star wars content that we got this year but like you said there was tons of other great stories and just a variety too that's why I this i think season two uh, probably overall was better than season one with the variety of animation that we got and uh, the different type of stories that uh, were being told from just all over the world and the different cultures that um just translate so well into star wars stories um being told here so yeah visions 2 was just another highlight of the year for star wars content that we got but screechers reached more than all the others i absolutely love that one
0: yeah i i uh i love today adventures i I wish my daughter liked it more she liked a decent amount first but every time i try to get her to watch it now she doesn't want to but she also correlates i think star wars It is, but she, I think also she gets scared easy, and I think Star Wars scares her. We made her watch Ahsoka, and she liked Ahsoka at first, but then it get kind of scared her. I think she has like negative connotation with Star Wars now. She loves that nubs. She still loves that nubs stuffed animal you got as Tim. So, and she likes and she every time she sees my toys, I have like a bunch of the figures downstairs that I want she can play with when she's down here in my Star Wars room. She always wants to play with them, um, and she loves. She always wants to play with their lightsabers and stuff. So like and everything. But she doesn't want to like watch it or like it's weird. It's it's. I think she I, I think she's a little scared. I think when she gets a little bit older, she'll she'll kind of us you know like it more. I think that's kind of the thing I underestimated was like it, kids like that stuff, but like it scares her. She gets
2: scared really easy right now. So I think that's kind
0: of the see the that would be. About
2: that. A big worry i had if i were to have a kid like what if they actually don't like star wars when older <laughs> <and stuff>? she <laughs>
0: likes star wars that that much i know it's just that she just her phase right now she gets scared like she loves the wizard of oz was like her favorite movie and she was getting scared of that again now it's like what it's mm-hmm. like so it's it feels like she's just kind of in this weird phase of things she gets she gets scared really easy so gotcha. um yeah so we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens but um yeah i think i I think jedi adventures is really good i also think visions 2 was much like i think a more overall consistent uh series i liked visions one a lot and parts obviously but vision season two i thought had some really great moments obviously screechers reach Sith was great um yeah i think overall it's much more enjoyable enjoyable to watch all the way through more than season one um and maybe it's because it's not just anime which is not my favorite style of animation but uh no i, th- I thought it was really cool i thought they did some great moments and there, a lot of fun moments and uh yeah i i think i'm definitely one of the seasons uh season three of visions
1: yeah let's hope so i mean that again that's not on the uh the schedule for next year but um and we don't even have well i'll tell you what i mean there's not another star wars celebration until 2025 in which is in Japan and so if they were to do a season 3 and you know still have more like anime inspired stuff in there that would be a great time to announce it um if not sooner but yeah hopefully we get um some more of that at some point um and then of course you know the the sort of last big piece of Star Wars content for the year was Ahsoka um the one we were all looking forward to you know sort of the the culmination of Dave Filoni's uh journey up to this point as a live action director and getting to first introduce Ahsoka in live action in Mando season two, and now get to do this full story with her and Thrawn and Hera and all these characters that Dave had introduced in animation and get to bring them, uh, you know, into live action. Um, And man, I mean, what an incredible season, what an incredible group of characters and story that we got um this is another one where you know i feel like like there's a lot of love for it i i think most people would rank ahsoka above mando season three as far as star wars content for the year but i know not everybody loved it and there was some criticism some of it fair like it, it wasn't a perfect season and it was maybe a little bit uneven in spots um as far as you know sort of the pacing and whatnot but um, I mean, man, if we didn't get some incredible Star Wars moments out of that show, if nothing else, it was worth it for the episode five Shadow Warrior alone, um, with Anakin and Ahsoka together in the World Between Worlds and Ahsoka communing with the Pergil and jumping off into hyperspace to go find, you know, Thrawn and Ezra. Um, but man, it just it, you know, as a, a longtime fan of Clone Wars and Rebels, getting to see Hera and Sabine and Huyang. And um, then get, you know, introduced to these great new characters like Balin and Shin um, and, you know, get to see the ghost and, uh, you know, get to go sort of on this, this Jedi samurai adventure to all these different planets and everything. Um, And for me, it was really cool. Like, I know we also got Obi-Wan Kenobi, but, um, you know, that one was more about him, you know, this Jedi that sort of passed his prime and is almost, you know, sort of given up and, and sort of rediscovering himself. Um, and I know Ahsoka also had, you know, sort of her own baggage and hurdles and stuff to overcome, but for the most part, it was much more of a straightforward sort of Jedi adventure series, um, certainly featured a lot more force powers and lightsaber duels and stuff than any of the Disney plus series we've gotten so far, um, and it was just a ton of fun. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Paul, like it's great to get Andor and like the the deep, serious, thought provoking stuff. But it's also fun to just go on adventures with Jedi swinging laser swords and using their mystical powers and seeing, Jason, you know, little Jason Syndulla listening to the crashing of the waves and hearing, you know, lightsaber clashes in there and stuff. Um So that was one that was, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was really special to me. And, uh, of course, anchored by Rosario Dawson giving an incredible performance as Ahsoka. Um, And I think, to me, that's one aspect of it that I think kind of gets overlooked. And, you know, I know everybody, rightfully so, gives uh, Ray Stevenson a lot of credit for his portrayal of Balin Skull. Um, You know, he was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's sad that he left us so soon. And, uh, you know, we're not going to get to see him reprise that role again. And, you know, some of the other casts were great as well, but I feel like Rosario Dawson just sort of disappears into that role. Like she really anchors the show. And then I feel like it's easy to kind of focus on all the aspects around her and critique, you know, performances or, uh, you know, different costumes or outfits or whether you like you know, Hera's Leku or whether Ezra's eyes are too blue or whatever. And at the center of it, it's like, I'm not even thinking about like Rosario Dawson and her costume and her performance and stuff, because I just see Ahsoka. Like that's the one aspect of it that they nailed. She just is so seamlessly like that is Ahsoka. And I think it, you know, a lot of it really worked because of that. So um, yeah, it was, that was probably the, the star Wars thing I was most looking forward to coming into this year. And for the most part, delivered the goods. I, you know, I still enjoy like listening to the soundtrack and I still need to sit down and do a full rewatch of the show at some point. Same. Um, I started and got all the way through it. I think I got up to shadow warrior. Um, but I don't know, you know, we got the day off for new year's coming up and then uh, my birthday's a week after that. And I might just take the day off from work for my birthday. So maybe the, one of those days I'll just sit down and do a binge watch of a all the way through. Um, but certainly was uh you know a, a great Star Wars story, and of course, you know Tim, you and I, and our friend Caleb got to go to the premiere screening of that and get to watch the first two episodes with a bunch of shake other. Fans my shake um, my hey, head, shake my head. Hey, you, you got to go to the the screening of Episode Five up there in Seattle. So, um, it's we all whatever, got to see Caleb, we We're all coming for you, Caleb.
0: You, <laughs> you place, Caleb. you can't have my place. You can't my place, Caleb. You can my place. We game,
1: all we Cam, all got you, to man. see we all got to see sama soka on the big screen. Um, and that was really cool as well. So, um, yeah, definitely one of my favorite Star Wars moments of the year. Um, and I, you know, I hope we get to see more, like, I know we're definitely going to be seeing more of, uh, you know, some of these characters with Ezra being back in the main galaxy and obviously uh, Hera and Thrawn being headed for sort of an inevitable confrontation in Dave Filoni's movie. So, um, You know, obviously there's more stuff that this is building towards, but also I hope we get to go back to, uh, you know, just get a season two of Ahsoka and see what's going on over in the other galaxy on Peridia with Ahsoka and Sabine stranded there, but also Balin and Shin still there and Balin on his quest to find something that's related to statues of the Mortis gods. And it's like, I know Dave keeps being like, oh, yeah, we'll see. Like, I certainly left some story threads for future possibilities and you know we're still in the discussion phase and nothing is concrete but it's like you can't leave us hanging on that um and that was one of my biggest uh Star Wars wish list items for 2024 is just an announcement of season 2 of Ahsoka um cuz I would love yeah. to see more of that story in those characters but uh yeah this was um you know again something that we were really looking forward to coming into this year and uh you know I think for the most part it met those expectations
2: yeah, I mean, without question, for me, and I know for most Star Wars fans, this was the most anticipated Star Wars content to look forward to in 2023. And it did not disappoint in the slightest for me. I dare even say, I think, probably looking back, maybe even exceeded my expectations. Just because it did things I wasn't expecting. I had, when we talked about all the speculation and stuff, what we could see and kind of hope to see. And like we did and we didn't, and but what Dave did give us was better than what I could have possibly imagined, <laughs> especially when we're talking about Shadow Warrior. I mean, all I wanted was to have some references to the world between worlds and some connections, but the fact that we actually got to go there in live action, and then we get to see it in a whole new light with the final training session that Anakin gives to Ahsoka was just mind-blowing, to say the least. It was just incredible, but... Obviously, that's the standout of the series, but I genuinely loved pretty much every episode in this one. I thought it got started off strong. We're just setting the stage up. We're getting reacquainted for most of us Starry Heart Star Wars fans, reacquainted with these characters that we knew from Rebels, but seeing them for the first time in live action. But I also thought, too, it did a good job of not alienating those who haven't seen Rebels, because I watched it with people who haven't seen Rebels, and they were still able to get into it. And appreciate the story that was being told there it was just made even better for those of us who were familiar with the rebels characters and the story that came before it but yeah just stuff it was a great combination of stuff for us fans to really appreciate with the rebels connection but then introducing the new characters like balin and shin and just not necessarily being just new sith or fallen jedi but just adding this other element to balin and what he's actually after someone who obviously didn't agree with how the Jedi did things and um, how it led to their downfall, but still appreciates what the ideals of the Jedi and what it should be. And just having this type of antagonist in the series, that was something just very refreshing, I think, uh, to have in Star Wars. I know Dave Filoni has said how him and... um uh, Why am I blanking on his name now? I feel awful about this. Um, Ray Stevenson, gosh. <laughs> but just how they would go back and forth about Oh, Ray would think, Oh, he's not a he's not a antagonist in David. Yeah, he's the antagonist of the series, but that's not how Ray saw it, and that's what led to such his, his great performance um for Balin. So just the new stuff, the stuff we're familiar with, being shown in a new light, and just the progression of these characters and the of uh, that we saw the journey Ahsoka that she took on from when we first saw her in the season two of the Mandalorian episode up until now, just how we knew there was something different about Ahsoka in this part of her life and the series really shed light to why she is the way she is with her failed training of Sabine and this everything coming to a front for her to face those things in Shadow Warrior and how have her come to terms with that with her legacy as her the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker and how she overcame that and just changed totally as a character as I knew she would I just just, because that was the criticism we saw too is how she was just such a stoic character. Why does she ever smile? Her arms are always folded, even though that's just a trait she's always had. It was She was a kid in Clone Wars. But I always knew it was intentional. Dave has a point that he's trying to show here. And I thought he showed it well by the time we got to the end of the series where her and Sabine are stuck on Peridia. And she just says, we are where we're, we're, we are where we need to be. And then just that smile that Anakin gives upon her as the Force goes, which says the icing on the cake and just the fitting way to end what I thought was just a great series. Just encompassed so much of what I love about Star Wars and this great Star Wars t- storytelling, embracing the fantasy element that we love to see in it so much, um, the character development, and then recognizing the rich history of these characters and that they have and their legacy. When you bring in the stuff with anakin and the clone wars and just so much great stuff to sink your teeth into and just really appreciate and like you i'm kind of mad at myself i haven't done a full series rewatch yet it's been something that is on my to-do list that i should have done but haven't yet but i think it's just going to be a great experience watching episodes one through eight all the way through it just one kind of like one very long movie but one I think that's going to keep you captivated even though I've seen these episodes multiple times already If I think it's going to add another layer of appreciation for the story that Dave Filoni told here once you see it from beginning to end so I'm definitely looking forward to that so yeah it was my most anticipated Star Wars project of the year and it more than delivered it was just like highlight must-see television viewing (laughs) for me where it's just like couldn't wait to see it the day it was supposed to air and then immediately after, just counting on the days for the next for next week to get the next episode. It was just like event viewing, and that's how um, we would like to have every Star Wars TV show be where week to week we just cannot wait to see what's in store for us next. And yeah, just Ahsoka delivered on that so much, and also too, I really enjoyed, and I think Disney Plus is going to continue to do this the release schedule where Tuesday at six PM, mm-hmm. not having to worry about staying up to midnight or 3 a.m. for some people, just having that a time that can be convenient for pretty much everyone, no matter what coast you're on. So yeah, it was great. So just great memories when I look back on Ahsoka. I know it's just a few months old, but still it's just such a great time in the year of 2023. And like you mentioned, getting to kick it off, to see it with you, Kyle and Caleb out in Hollywood for the first time, what a way to kick off the Star Wars event of the year and then just have it continue on week to week and just not losing steam. It was just, it'll be a Star Wars highlight, not only for 2023, but just in my Star Wars fandom in general, I just loved it so much. So yeah, just a great way to end what was an exciting year for Star Wars, but all leading up to the big event that was Ahsoka.
0: Yeah. I, I I think Ahsoka is an all timer. I think Ahsoka really did kind of, I want to say it brought me back by any means, but it felt it, from a peripheral sense, it felt like people were kind of all kind of, you know, championing it a little bit more than the other series, at least from my perspective. I mean, there's all, listen, there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be like, but I, I don't know about you guys, but it really did feel like this was a lot more unified overall. I would say, um, than I'd seen star Wars in a while, maybe since season two of Mando. And I would agree. You know, yeah. And and again, not saying people didn't like it or people had problems, but it felt like people weren't like I, I felt like the complaining was less on this than than what I than I typically see. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm tied to a lot of Star Wars people because I mean, for God's sakes, I was doing Star Wars News Net. I was, you know, working with you guys, and I all the people, you know, all the things on X, formerly Twitter, you would see, you know, you know, perfectly through your timelines. It felt like there was a buzz around Ahsoka more than it was a negativity around Ahsoka. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think it's warranted. And I thought it was really well done. And I think, I gotta tell you, it really is because Dave Filoni was heading it and is the most like George of any other Star Wars creator out there. And it's a lot of it because he learned from George himself. And is he perfect? No. Uh, was serious? perfect? I was, if Objectively, no. But I also don't care because I love it. And I yeah. love the works and all. And that's the thing I think people can't really understand. Is like I, I don't love some of this the way things were shot in the last couple of episodes. Don't care either, because I still love it. I still love it so much. Ahsoka is to me what makes me love Star Wars in the first place, enhances the, the mythology building, the characters, the fun aliens, the, the sense of adventure, mystery. That's going on that, that, that to me, the sequel trilogy did a great job of, but never really fully paid off until Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> wink, wink for you, Kyle. Um, so, you know, I. I,
1: I'll, I just, I'll just insert it, your favorite uh, Will Ferrell agree to disagree. Gif.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but but really, in all seriousness, I, 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 it did bring back a lot of mystery and excitement that was been I think has been missing for Star Wars. And Mandalorian's done a little bit of that with the whole, you know, Grogu thing, but at the same time, it's just one little aspect. I think Ahsoka was surrounded, surrounded, is surrounded by mystery and intrigue and, and so it ends on mystery and intrigue. So I, for me, and this whole, the, the whole fantasy element that, that I think Dave just understands in spades more than leaps and bounds over other people. So give me ahsoka over Andor, you know every day of the week twice on sunday um you know yes you know warts and all i i will take that serious i think it's it's definitely my favorite probably post i think it might be one of my favorite posts anything maybe star wars anything i don't know we'll see but i definitely is one of my favorite posts george lucas uh start you know disney buyout
1: yeah that's fair i mean it it certainly was great i mean for me, I don't know if I would say it tops Mando season two in terms of, you know, favorite Disney Star Wars content or favorite, uh, you know, series of a show or anything like that. But um, it's up there for sure. And like you said, it's it's one of those things where like, is it perfect? No, but especially for those of us that are attached to these characters and appreciate, you know, the type of uh, storytelling that Dave Filoni is good at. Um it's just one of those things where you love it despite the flaws. And I think that's something that, you know, especially those of us that are fans of the prequels and stuff, like that's just part of being a Star Wars fan. It's never going to be perfect. And it doesn't need to be. It's a it's a goofy space opera about laser swords and aliens. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we take it too seriously. And, you know, it doesn't need to be, you know, beautiful cinema. You know, this isn't like a Martin Scorsese film in space or anything like that. But, um you know it's it's fun it's mystical it's got uh fun characters and lore and world building and mythology and all that kind of stuff that we love and plenty of you know space dogfights and lightsaber duels and all that kind of fun stuff so um yeah it delivered the goods for sure um is up there among you know some of my favorite Star Wars content of this era, if not at the top, I need to, I'll, I'll reevaluate after finally getting to rewatch it again. And I will say one thing that's been really nice to see too, that I feel like we definitely missed out on um, during the show because of the strikes and everything was, uh, you know, getting sort of that behind the scenes commentary, like from the the actors. Yeah. And, uh, that's been great. Yeah. Just, you know, hearing them talk about it on social media and posting behind the scenes pictures and, Getting, you know, more interviews with Dave Filoni and snippets of stuff on the Star Wars social media feeds. And I really hope that we get a Disney gallery episode for it soon.
2: We should have had one, I think, <laughs> by now. Yeah. just like, makes me worried.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, if anything, I was hoping that maybe they would have released it for Christmas or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know why they would still be sitting on it at this point. Um, especially I think I brought this up last episode too, that like you know loki season two came out after ahsoka and they're like you know marvel behind the scenes thing for that is already out and it has been like since the show ended um so yeah i don't know if they just like couldn't film stuff uh you know couldn't film interviews and stuff because of the strike and now maybe they're you know because everybody's real busy again after the strike they're having a hard time you know getting people together for for filming stuff or whatever but there should be plenty of behind the scenes footage you would think at least that they could do something with um but at least the little glimpses of stuff that we have gotten um you know have have been great to get and i think that that kind of helps drown out some of the negativity and the criticism when you see how much fun people had working on this um and I think that that just makes it easier to appreciate, again, you know, despite maybe some of the flaws or little nitpicks or things here or there, when you realize that, like, this is made by passionate people who love Star Wars and want to make good content for Star Wars fans and just have a ton of fun doing it. Um, and, you know, seeing so like uh, Iman Esfandi, uh, you know, who just is Ezra Bridger in real life, like and seeing how much <laughs> he embodies that role and love playing that character and ariana greenblatt who plays uh the young ahsoka you know seeing her post pictures of her with hayden christensen and stuff has been so cool so um it's just given me more even you know kind of more of an appreciation for the show and for these characters and for the people playing them and the people involved in in bringing this stuff to us so that's been really great as well um but yeah all around like i think i think that ahsoka is one of those shows and especially this first season with all the stuff that it's set up and you know the, the shadow warrior stuff and everything um I think is going to be kind of one of those like landmark, you know, special star Wars stories for, for a while to come.
2: Yeah. Without question. I mean, just talking about it right now, is really making me want to do that full rewatch.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it for all the big star Wars stuff that was released this year. I know we didn't really talk much about comics or novels. I know it was kind of a down year for all of us in that regard. Um, and, you know, as Paul will tell you, I don't read, but I will occasionally read some Star Wars stuff that catches my interest. I, I did buy a couple of the books that came out last year. Um, and for me, there just wasn't a whole lot of publishing stuff this year that caught my interest. I haven't really kept them on the High Republic stuff. And it seemed like that was what most of it was. Um, and then I know there's also a book that just came out recently called Rise of the Red Blade that's about uh, like an Inquisitor. And I've actually heard some good things about that um yeah i'm in the middle of amazing. that right now i'm, I'm just yeah. the audiobook of it it has been really good so far yeah
2: so i
0: might it's good. i might check it's that out it's not um i don't think it's like an all-timer or anything like that but like i think it's definitely worth checking out if you're because it's a good it's a breath of fresh air to be to be quite frank because of all the kind of books we were getting it's like oh another you know i know you guys liked it but brotherhood i, had, I have no interest reading that i had no interest reading like a the thrawn books or you know, it, it's just it's the fact that it was a different character. It was a unique something we haven't really got an inside look at very much with the Inquisitors, and um, it's been cool to kind of go into that world a little bit. It's not like it's like a tell-all book, you know, but it definitely just like the comics do in Charles Soule's Darth Vader Run. It kind of you peek behind the curtain a, lit, a little bit more to understand a little bit. And I, in uh, Ishcat, I think is a really interesting character. Um, which, uh, yeah. yeah.
2: Go ahead, sorry, uh, I'm sorry, Paul. I was going to say, yeah, because I'm still fairly early on into it, but I'm just loving the story of telling with this character as a time in the Jedi. And Part of me is kind of wishing, like, I didn't know already that she was going to become an Inquisitor, because that would kind of be, like, a pretty cool reveal as you're reading through the story. But at the same time, it's making perfect sense as far as knowing that eventually that's when she's going to come, for, from yeah. what I've read of her story and time as a Jedi so far in these early chapters
0: yeah so i mean like it's it's whatever it's yeah but but yeah i think that the books and comics have a, have a long way to go to think being consistently good um so hopefully next year it'll, it'll be better so we'll we'll see what happens but yeah I, I definitely recommend rise of the red blade for people i i pounded that out pretty quick and i started the latest uh new high republic phase three book and i made it half my not even halfway through i'm like you know a good quarter way through it i'm like eh, i'm struggling a little bit to be honest i've gotten yeah, I'm, I'm gonna come back here. to it I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna come back to it but yeah it's a hustle it's you a sound like podcast.
1: me <laughs> yeah but actually you read other stuff besides you know audio well i i will say this actually as as we're talking i realized i was incorrect i have not read zero star wars books this year i did read one back at the beginning of the year which was jedi battle scars which was the tie-in novel um, that was released shortly, b- shortly before uh, Jedi Survivor came out. I enjoyed it. I've heard mixed things about it, but I thought it was a fun story that definitely gave some good context as to um, kind of just filling in some gaps in between Fallen Order and Survivor, because there's a five year gap in between those stories. Um, And at the end of Fallen Order, you know, Cal kind of has this found family with this crew that he's joined. And, you know, they seem like they've kind of gone from not really knowing each other to kind of becoming this like tight knit group by the end of the game. Um, And then at the beginning of Survivor, they're all kind of scattered again and have kind of gone their separate ways. And then, of course, they reunite again over the course of the game. But um, I think battles, my favorite aspect of Battle Scars is that it really gives a lot of context as to why everyone is kind of in the space that they're in um at the at the beginning of survivor and you know sort of why even though they all care for each other and they all have similar goals they also kind of all have their own goals and their own ways of going about things that would eventually kind of lead them to to go their separate ways so um yeah i'm glad that i read it before the game came out um i think you know obviously if you if you go just from jedi fallen order into jedi survivor um you know, the game still catches you up to speed and kind of fills in those gaps for you. But I felt like I had, you know, some additional context and background knowledge having read the book. So I enjoyed it. And it was also a pretty quick read. And there was some fun stuff in there. I also liked that, um, you know, a lot of it, especially like action scenes where Cal is fighting with his lightsaber and stuff. It's like, the way that uh, the book describes his actions and stuff is like taken directly from the video game. It's like, cause also I've played Jedi Fallen Order like five or six times. And so, um, you know, the way that she was describing things I was like, oh yeah, I remember doing that or I know exactly which lightsaber move that is or, you know, even sort of interactions between Cal and BD1 and stuff. It was like really easy to picture even just like the character animations and stuff. So um, yeah, I thought it worked really well that way as like you know, it, it was a, a good video game tie in where like it, it felt like an extension and continuation of the story of the games um, in a really fun way. So I, I enjoyed that one. Um, but yeah, that was, so I, I did read a Star Wars book this year after all.
2: Well, so I think you outdid me and Paul this year for Star Wars books. <laughs> well, for me to Paul, you finished. Rise
1: yeah, Paul, Paul finished I, haven't finished yet, so. I beat you by half a book. <laughs> Unless you finish it in the next couple of days you guys still need to
2: finish shadows of the sith i'm telling you
1: (laughs) oh that's true i do need to still finish shadows of the sith um yeah that'll that'll be on my list for next year but um yeah it was you know obviously it's been a packed year lots of great star wars content so we're not gonna do uh you know a big list or, or anything obviously we've kind of talked through everything from the year already but um of all the stuff we've talked about um for you guys what are just i mean you know one your your favorite star wars moment of the year or favorite highlight or uh just any any particular stuff that stands out to you
2: yeah it's kind of hard to narrow down and have it not be focused on ahsoka but um shadow warrior obviously was a highlight but it's a, if i'm just going to talk about ahsoka in general i mean getting to season two premiere episodes with you, Kyle, and Caleb at the El Capitan Theater a few days before it premiered was, was special. It was just an awesome experience. So that's probably going to be the highlight. And again, just the way to kick off the most anticipated Star Wars project of 2023. So I'm going to have to give it to that. But I want to give a mention, too, just to – I mentioned it a little bit before, but some Bad Batch episodes that just really made me just such a happy Star Wars fan of Again, just being a big fan of the clones and their stories. Episodes like uh, The Outpost was just a really cool one with Crosshair being my favorite character of the series. And though it was sad to lose his helmet in that episode, <laughs> uh, but just the story and just the tone of it was just something just like like very mature Star Wars storytelling. Again, we're talking about the different types of stories that you could tell in Star Wars. This is one of the ones that kind of focus on that more um, mature themes here. And then just the visual style of it just looked incredible. So like a lot of episodes in the bad batch, but I think if I had a single one out, that one just really stood out to me. just like, man, this is just great storytelling right here <laughs> and just delivering the goods and just continuing that story that I love so much about the clone troopers and their struggle um, in the galaxy post clone war. So Um, yeah, I'll give it to that one as far as something different than Ahsoka.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm just going to go say Ahsoka, but I'm going to say the, probably my favorite time was the first two episodes when they dropped. I was so, it, it was, that was such a surprise to me how much I enjoyed those two episodes. And it really brought me back to just falling in love with star Wars again, in a way that got me really excited that I hadn't been that excited in a long time. Um, It just felt like it just felt like star Wars to me, old star Wars, like George Lucas star Wars and not like it's like a beat for beat, but like the same spirit was there, which had been missing in majority of the things that wasn't worked on by Dave. But even the stuff that worked on Dave has a John Favreau influence, which is great. But um, and I love the Mandalorian, obviously a lot, it's just different, and it, this felt more of like what I love Star Wars all about. And those first two episodes did everything I'd want Star Wars to do, and in anything, and it just felt like, yes, my Star Wars is back. And it, I rewatched those first two episodes a lot, and I love them, I just love them. And uh, they're so it, the whole series is, is re- rewatchable. I definitely think the series is stronger at the beginning than at the end that being said, I, maybe I'm just biased. Those first two episodes are really special to me. And uh, I think they're really good. They're great. And uh, I, yeah, I think Ahsoka is really is rekindled uh, in reminding me how special Star Wars can be.
1: Yeah, I will say this. I mean, I also, obviously Ahsoka was fantastic, was uh, a big thing I was anticipating coming into the year. But as far as favorite Star Wars content of the year, like favorite, you know, Star Wars story, um, piece of Star Wars storytelling. Mine's going to be Jedi Survivor. Um, I guess not just as a piece of storytelling, but also just the game as a whole, you know, the gameplay experience, getting to play as a Jedi, having all the different lightsaber abilities and force powers and stuff, and really, you know, just building on what was already a, a great formula in the first game. Um, and just having a, uh, you know, a great gameplay experience, but also just a phenomenal store, Star Wars story with some great twists and turns and surprises and, um, really emotional character arts and just characters that I've come to really love and care about. Um, it just, it blew me away. Like I said, it's one that I still can't stop thinking about and can't, you know, I, I'm always thinking, man, when am I going to have time to replay Jedi survivor again and, you know, keep wanting to go back to it. Um, so that's my favorite star Wars story of the year, but in terms of just sort of an overall moment or highlight Um, I think I also would have to say, you know, Tim, it was you, me and Caleb getting to go out to Hollywood and see the those first two episodes of Ahsoka on the big screen. Um, it's just always, you know, it's it's great when you get to make special Star Wars memories like that with your friends and do stuff, you know, get to do stuff surrounded by other passionate fans and be uh, you know, around a a whole bunch of, you know, excited diehard Star Wars fans watching new Star Wars together. There's just nothing like it. Um And also, you know, getting like getting that experience and getting to watch them on the big screen, too. It's like it's the closest thing we've had to a Star Wars movie since uh, Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, the closest thing we'll have still probably for another couple of years, Um, especially because, you know, like you said, Paul, those first two. I mean, the whole series, but especially like the beginning of those episodes really does have such a cinematic feel to it. And it feels like a Star Wars movie with you know, starting out even with a crawl and then, um, you know, starting out with, you know, ships in space, you know, coming right into the frame after the crawl and everything. Um, and the, you know, the score from Kevin Kiner is phenomenal as well. And so, um, you know, just really setting a, a grand cinematic scene. It was just great to see that in the theater. So, um, you know, that was, uh, probably like if i had to pick one highlight moment of the year it would probably be that and then also having friends over to watch shadow warrior um and getting to all be blown away by that as well so just some really fun memorable times uh getting to watch some of those special ahsoka episodes with friends was uh, a great highlight of the year um and yeah like i said what a year it was overall lots of great star wars content but um you know We're right on the cusp of 2024, and we'll have maybe not quite as loaded of a year as we did this year, but still some great stuff coming out. Um, we, of course, have a skeleton crew that has been pushed back to 2024, and we also have the Acolyte still on the slate for 2024 as well uh, for live action Star Wars content. And then we also have uh, Bad Batch Season 3 and presumably Visions, uh, sorry, not Visions, Tales of the Jedi Season 2. Um, I don't know that that's been officially confirmed. I think I've seen it on like a Disney per- press release where like it was talking about stuff for 2024 and it had that listed, but it also said like release date TBD or something like that. So maybe that's just, they're listing that as an upcoming show, or maybe it is like date TBD in or TBD in 2024. Um, which would be great. Like, I mean, Tales of the Jedi also was a, a fantastic thing that we got last year and I can't wait to see more of that. Um, and I'm really excited to see like which Jedi they decide to focus on this time. So, um, if that's, you know, coming out next year as well, that'll be uh, a great addition to the lineup. And then on the video game side, we've also got star Wars outlaws coming out spring of next year. So that'll be fun to have uh, a new open world adventure game, getting to play as a new scoundrel character and stuff. And I'm sure there'll be lots more, uh, fun adventures to be had there as well. Um, and you know also we've got you know i know there's already been some more novels and comics and stuff that have been announced for next year and uh i'm sure we'll talk about some of those throughout the year if there are any that really pique our interest but um yeah it should be fun i can't wait to see all this stuff i know i'm definitely looking forward to the accolade that's probably my most anticipated thing for next year um but it'll be fun to see where we are a year from now and looking back at uh you know the year that 2024 was and see what our highlights are so um lots more fun to be had uh the future is bright indeed as we always like to say around (laughs) here and uh can't wait to keep talking with you guys through the new year about all this new star wars content
2: yeah i'm just excited to see trailers and first look for all the stuff we're going to get in 2024 (laughs) because officially we haven't gotten any looks at any of these projects that we're going to get as far as like the tv shows go so just that alone i'm looking forward to which hopefully will be sooner rather than later as we hit 2024
1: Yeah, and there's no celebration next year, so I don't know when we should expect to get those trailers and first looks and stuff. Um, You know, I'm sure we'll probably just wake up on a random Monday and be like, boom, here's a new trailer for The Acolyte. Boom, (laughs) here's when Bad Batch Season 3 is coming out. Um, And we'll have to scramble to record episodes. Or, you know, I guess this hasn't happened to us in a while, but, Tim, you and I used to joke that it was our bad luck back in the old days that we'd record an episode and then something would drop the next day. Yeah. so hopefully that doesn't happen, but uh, yeah, it'll be fun to follow all the stuff as it happens and get on here and keep talking about it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been fun to kind of reminisce and recap the past year and just talk about our favorite moments uh, from 2023 and the jam packed year of Star Wars that it was. Um, so as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, thanks for sticking with us through this whole year and uh, interacting with us online and sharing your comments and thoughts and stuff on, uh, you know, on our episodes and the the star Wars content that we're talking about. Um, As always, you know, you can follow us on the easiest place to find us is on Twitter slash X. If you, if you're Paul and use the official name, but it's still Twitter around these parts (laughs) Uh, and we're at star we're at star Wars TSC on there uh you can also find us on facebook i don't do we even post anything on facebook anymore it's been a while yeah just (laughs) just just follow us on twitter uh you can also send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com uh and you can also check out our website at starwarstsc.com um and of course, we're also part of the Thunderquack, uh Podcast Network, and you can check out all the other awesome shows on there, including our friends Jason and Carl from the Wampas Lair who uh, have now joined the Thunderquack Podcast Network with us, so we're excited to have them on there. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in. Thanks for listening and for all your support this year. Uh, we will see you next year. Uh, Happy New Year, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody.
0: Godspeed, Rep. Balls.